Hey guys, just wanted to give you guys a quick disclaimer here at the front of this week's Chasing the Natty episode. You'll notice very early on that there is kind of a nasty echo that we couldn't really figure out how to get to go away for about the first seven minutes of the episode. And unfortunately, we couldn't really start over because we wanted to record live during the draft. So we kind of had to just roll with it. Again, about seven minutes into the video, we figure it out. It goes away. So if you want to just skip over the first seven minutes because the echo is just totally unbearable, totally get it. But just want to let you guys know, one, the whole episode is not like that. And two, uh, just so you don't get blindsided by it as soon as the episode starts here. Besides that, really hope you guys enjoy this episode of CTN. We got John Lopp and Joe Goodwin from Fantrax on to discuss the Summa Kun Loud draft. It's a wonderful time. Can't wait for y'all to listen. Coming up on Chasing the Natty, it's the annual Summa Cum Loud Draft with John Lobb and a ton of other experts with us today. So we're going to record it live along with the team at Fantrax, John Lobb and Joe Goodwin. We'll be bringing you analysis live during the draft as we make our picks and overall just having a great time. So all that and more coming right after this. Dancing, cutting, mesmerizing run by the quarterback. Marvin Harrison, junior touchdown. Marvelous Mark. Ball next to the outside, dropped down for Franklin. Oh, majestic touchdown. This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome All in, right. everybody. Everybody. This everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty Podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. Y'all, I am super, super stoked about the show that we are about to put on for you guys. It is the Summa Kun Loud Draft. Recorded this live about two years ago with Mitch Hart. It was an absolute blast. Wanted to do it last year. Unfortunately, just couldn't have, or I was out of town. I was, uh, we were on a road trip during it, so we couldn't record it live then but now we are back with it and this year i was able to bring on the man the myth the legend himself mr john lobb and his new partner in crime over at fantrax mr joe goodwin so john real quick how you doing tonight man hey i'm doing great it's the 10th annual summa cum laude draft for me it kicks off the college fantasy football season because school is ending so i'm getting ready to start my player preview series and this is the first bit for fantrax readers to get ready with the player pool at fantrax absolutely and joe you are a new guy you to the fantasy space, fantasy. so first of all, I want to ask first how you are doing, but also, doing, too, but also, I want to know, know what got you into got you CFF into over CFF here, man. Like, you're, you're, like you're, you're, new you're, the, you're new onto the space, you're working with John over at Fantrax, you had a really, really good article uh, the other week about how to start up your leagues and what to do there, how to get started with college fantasy. Let the people know what you're working on, man, and why you love the game so much. Uh, well, I appreciate you having me on, um, and I appreciate all the accolades for the article. Um, I that 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 article of the playing CFF like a, as like a 101 class from college. Uh, that was a little bit of a labor of love, to, you know, trying to figure out like 
you know, how do you get as much information as possible in there, but at the same time, make it accessible to people who have not delved into the CFF world yet, or <clears throat> don't realize that they actually know more than they think, and they're just not quite ready. And then, so kind of putting a lot of effort into that, um, how I got into it, um, you know, it, I was a fantasy football for the NFL for a long time. And, you know, as the advent of Devi and developmental players came out, um, you know, the research and the interest in, in the college game grew a lot more for me. Um, I'm not blessed like some people to live down south where, you know, the college football game is just like end all be all. Um, I am a resident of the suburbs of Philadelphia. So I live, eat and breathe my Eagles. Um, so the college football game in this area, I mean, really isn't all that stout. Uh, so, you know, doing all that Debbie research and just finding out, like, I really do enjoy um, <clears throat> just doing all of that research. And as I was talking, I looked over and a little thing bumped up and was like, Joe, it's your turn to draft. <laughs> um, so, uh, <clears throat> you know, it wasn't like a very long thought of who to take with the first overall pick, which was obviously Caleb Williams from USC. Um, you know, it's uh, doing a lot of research. Uh, doing and, and and by the way, my history. Uh, I'm a math teacher, so I love looking at the numbers and how they're connected. And one of the things I kept noticing was, you know, in other drafts I was doing, a lot of people were shying away from quarterbacks, and they were saying, "Hey, plenty to pick. Why take one so early?" And then I started doing the math, going, "Okay, so let's just say you did skip over Caleb Williams and try to take somebody else. You're sacrificing." 60, 70, maybe a hundred points in the season. And considering that this isn't like the NFL where you have 17 weeks, you only have maybe max like 13, 14, that is a massive difference um, in everyday week. So I started really digging into a lot more of the analytics of it. Um, so I kind of approach it a lot differently is because I don't have any allegiances to teams or conferences. You know, I'm not really locked into one area, one grouping. I just kind of like look at where the numbers go and just say, that's what it leads me to. That's who I want to take. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm probably thinking about the same thing as John here is the fact that uh, JD Yonke is, uh, doesn't seem to be in the room right now, but that is okay. Um, yeah. Again, I agree with you, JD, the, the top tier of quarterbacks, I am totally okay with drafting early. Cause to me, that top tier is 100% a difference maker in terms of a week-to-week -week performance now the ones i'm not as big of a fan of is going after guys who are in like who've been going off around like the third fourth fifth round quarterbacks those guys are just as good as guys i think you can grab later in like the seventh to ninth round range and so I, again, I, I agree with your analysis with your there. Analysis. John, you just John, came up. You took Quinshawn Judkins. By the way, real quick, uh, Joe, you're at the 101. John, you're at the 14. I am at the 18. So we got a pretty good spread throughout the draft here. So that should give us a little bit of time each for us to make all of our picks and to explain them. So, John, you want to talk about Quinshawn Judkins you just took there at the 14? Yeah, I had him at the um, top of my draft board at running backs. I'm looking at a minimum of 1,300-yard rushing season, double-digit touchdowns, a little bonus in the pass catching. I look at the Mississippi roster right now, and I do believe he is the best player on the roster, so I expect him to have the most touches 
in the league. You know, there's some concern about the quarterback position at Mississippi this year. So I think they're going to run the ball a real lot. So I, I really like Judkins there. I mean, it's it to me to get one of the top four players in his position at the with the number four pick. And I'm probably not going to take a tight end that early. I'm very happy with that. Yeah, if Marvin Harrison ever fell to four, I would have been unbelievably happy. It just doesn't I've never seen a draft yet where Harrison fell to number four. All right, John. It looks like everybody in the chat saying that everybody's in and ready to go. So I think we can. Re- oh, okay. Resume. Let me unpause. Sorry about that. Hey, everyone. no problem. No problem. Also, I just realized I never changed over the page. So sorry, YouTubers. Um, let's go ahead and give you the actual page here, so you can actually look at what's going on in the draft. There, there. Nick just took Bo Nix. Um, also, Joe, um, can you look at your Twitter DM? I sent you a Twitter DM real quick. If you don't mind looking at that real quick. Um, all right, I'm up now. Oh, good Lord, this got to me real fast. All right, so my top two wide receivers are off the board. I was thinking about taking Malachi Corley at 1-8 if he was still there. Um, I still got probably my top, or my my QB2 is still on the board here, but I haven't been able to draft a team starting off with this guy, and he is my RB2, and I think I'm going to roll with him to start off here just to see how this team kind of builds itself out here. And I'm going to take Rasheen Ali, the running back out of Marshall, should be getting a monster, monster year for this upcoming year with Kalen LeBourne finally gone. Rasheen Ali is back. He's going to get that insane workload that we've loved from those running backs at Marshall I have no qualms with taking him here in the first round, especially with my top two receivers off the board. So, yeah, and going out the rest of the first round here, some other picks that came off the board. Again, Bo Nix, 1-6, Malachi Corley, 1-7. Michael Penix Jr., 1-9, comes off. Kind of chalk for the most part, wouldn't you say, guys? Yeah, I was just going to kind of comment that it seems this year the elite quarterbacks are going off very early. In I, This is my seventh, I think, draft that I've done at this point, and I believe I've seen more quarterbacks go off in the first two rounds that I've used to been seen. Um, this is a two-quarterback league, but in past years I've seen less quarterbacks go off early. The elite ones like Caleb Williams, he's always going to go. They're always going to go very early. But what have we had? Five quarterbacks already in the first 11 picks. So we've only got two running backs in this round. So I have noticed that kind of running backs are falling. Quarterbacks are being pushed up the board in early drafts this year. There definitely seems to be a lack of number one or lack of elite running backs this year compared to some of the other years. Like there is a like usually we will see like six or seven running backs go off in the first round it kind of mirrors that nfl mindset where you start with running back early maybe you have a couple of zero rbers mixed in there but this year that's why i really love tackling them in the i like tackling wide receiver early and then i love smashing running backs in the like uh, around like three to like seven range. I will take so many different running backs in that range. I'm actually, okay, so Nate Marquise is in this draft. I have not been able to draft with him once this year, so I'm actually really interested to see where he goes. And he takes Brock Bowers at the two. two. Um, Joe, what are your kind of thoughts on the draft so far, man? Go ahead and unmute yourself there. You Okay, you know how to do that. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, echoing what John said, um, you know, you're seeing the quarterbacks go early. 
And obviously the elite receivers are now popping off the board. Um, you know, I have, I've had a man crush on Egbuka for a very long time um, okay. from the developmental standpoint. Um, and I even had written an article maybe a few months ago, uh, basically saying that LSU is no longer wide receiver U. It is absolutely 100% Ohio State. Yes, um, they probably have like a dude getting water right now that can run 4-4 and probably catch everything over the middle because they're just developing receivers. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see at least two more receivers from Ohio State getting drafted in this in this little experiment that we have going on. So. Oh, man, I'm, I'm left with a t- tough choice here. It's back to be in the second round of the 2-5 here. There's still an elite quarterback on the board here. Frank Harris at U- out of UTSA. But, man, there's also a massive, massive positional advantage with Aronde Gadsden, the truly a wide receiver out of Syracuse. But he has a tight end eligibility because Syracuse designates him as a tight end. I don't really know. And there's also Blake Corum on the board, too. Like, I, I could go with my early running back strategy there. This is a tough one, but I think I'm going to take the positional advantage with... Uh, actually, you know what? Yeah, no, I'll take the I'll take Aronda Gatson. Let's get the positional advantage there. All right, it's coming back to you, John. You got a couple picks between uh, between where it's at now and when you pick. Who are you kind of hoping falls to you here, John? So my decision is, do I take the elite quarterback, which is definitely a possibility here. JD and CFB winning edge have already taken a quarterback. I don't do expect not my put it past Nick game. Allen to take three quarterbacks oh, in the Allen, first three sorry. rounds. Nick. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. He might take a quarterback. Mike, I don't think we'll take one here. Just looking at Mike's draft strategies over the years, being um, good friends with Mike and drafting with him so much in the CFF universe, I don't expect him here. I do think Mike wanted to run Day Gadsden or Brock Bowers, so they're gone. There, Mike goes Blake Corum, so that's a little bit expected there. Now, here's where I find something interesting. Right now, the value on the board is at the running back position. If you look at oh, – there goes another running back. So that's interesting. Nick Allen went running back there. So, cause he might be noticing the same thing I am here. If you look at your rankings by position, there's definitely value at the running back spot mm-hmm. and look at, um, I earlier, um, Joe had alluded to it within seven pit. No, within eight picks, we had six ride receivers go off the turn there. And let's see, half a minute left for JD. And we didn't really talk about the receivers, who they were, but they were Abuka, Tori Holton, Aronde Rume Adunze, Jalen McMillan, Dorian Clark, which you might know better than me, Jared. Have you you seen him go this early, Dorian Clark, at this time of the day? It has been kind of wild ever since Zachary Franklin left UTSA in terms of where those guys are going. You got his partner in crime, Joshua Cephas. Both of them have been kind of dealing with a little bit of injury stuff over the offseason, so it's kind of difficult to tell how ready they'll be coming back. It sounds like Cephas is well on his way, and Clark sounds like he's doing well as well. Um, I guess I'll take an opportunity here just to kind of plug y'all like Chris Carpenter. That's a name you need to be keeping an eye, an eye out for at the very, very end of your drafts. Cause we saw last year, UTSA can feed three different wide receivers on different weeks. That might be a guy you're getting an absolute steal on. 
at the end of your drafts. John, you took Malik Neighbors. That's a that's kind of early compared to where I've seen him been going. What do you what are you so excited about with Neighbors this year? I have Neighbors number eight amongst my wide receivers. Uh, we know in CFF we love systems. And last year, for the first time in a Brian Kelly system, the alpha receiver failed me because I did like last year. Why can't I remember his name? Who was the um, – oh, my God, he got picked by the Patriots. He fell in the draft. Oh, Kayshawn Booty. Why? why? Oh, yes. Um, Kayshawn Booty did not live up to the expectations in the Brian Kelly offense. But my track record of going with the alpha male in that Brian Kelly offense is massive. So I'm still banking. I believe Malik Neighbors is by far the best player on the LSU Tigers. And I am a mad believer in Jalen Daniels. I love Daniels throwing the football. I don't understand the lack of respect he's gotten in the CFF community. I think he's the best value on the board. I mean, he's a dual threat star with huge upside. So I'll take Neighbors here. And I know Jared's going to kill me. I do think they're the best team in the SEC. We'll see by the end of the year. But I think Brian Kelly's, they're loaded on offense and defense this year. So I'll take neighbors. And I know it's a little bullish. I know that's probably a little earlier than most people are expecting him to go. No, that's totally fair. Also, Joe, thank God you finally stopped this man's dumb slide in this draft. What what, <laughs> what, did, what did Frank Harris do to all of us that made him fall to the 3-1? I mean, I was debating taking him at the 2-5. I thought for sure somebody would take him in that stretch from Mike Bainbridge down to Joe. So, Joe, tell us about your two picks there. You took Dorian Singer and you took Frank Harris. Well, I mean, first of all, I love me a stack. So, you know, being able to match up Dorian with Caleb is just beyond. I mean, there's still a lot of value. And I I hear you when you say I didn't necessarily go into this thinking I was going to take two quarterbacks within the first three rounds. But to get arguably two, like on my board, top five quarterbacks in this format, um, I'm super ecstatic to to add them to the roster. Um, and, And for me personally, Um, I don't draft just solely on tiers because sometimes you might get locked into a, oh, I better grab this last guy in my first tier of my running backs only to realize that you just sacrificed, uh, you know, seven points a week because you ended up grabbing, you know, that running back that you might like. But that quarterback is just such a greater value. And that's why, like you'd said, I just could not allow Mr. Harris to go any farther than 3-1. And uh, I'm just absolutely ecstatic to get him at 3-1. You're you're right. He's a 2-4, 2-3, 2-5 guy at the very latest. pick as far as I'm concerned. I almost, I get if it weren't for the positional value of a Ronde Gasson, I would have taken him at the 2-5. That's so insane he fell to 3-1. Um, John, you and I both reacted to uh, a certain pick. Uh, we'll talk about it here real quick. Audric Estime goes off at the 3-3 by Mitch Hart. I love Estime coming into this year. I think I have him as my RB18. I, I thought his rise from like the round 8 to 9 range to the round like 5-6 range was a big jump. To see him go off at 3-3, man, I love Gadsden. I do do not know if I am going to be willing to pay or I, I love estimate. I don't know why I was thinking about Gadsden there for a second. I <laughs> love 
Um, I love estimate this year, but man, that is a tough, tough price to pay here. I'm on the clock. I just realized. So let me make a pick here. Uh, and well, then John, uh, let we'll me get recap where we are for our viewers for Go a second. Ahead, man. Um, after Frank Harris went to Joe, we had Frank Gore, South Mississippi. So we have a nice balanced team college fantasy list with Reed Walker and Gore. Mitch Hart, I think I was just, hey, I was shocked. And that's a good thing. Esteme, I moved him up in the process. He's moved up in the last two months for me. It seems like he's going to be the guy at Notre Dame. I was not comfortable taking him that early, but Mitch is one of the better CFF players out there. Mitch is obviously very bullish on him. So I, I give Mitch props for going out and getting his guy in the third round. I took Troy Franklin, so I went with running back and two wide receivers. I like the big play wide receivers. Um, I think Franklin and Bo Nix, Franklin's moving up draft boards, Debbie rankings. I've been watching a lot of film of Troy Franklin over the past month. He's unbelievable. I've fallen in love with neighbors and Franklin on the film. They are legit NFL prospects. We can talk about college fans football is obviously different. But I think he has, and it's a defensively challenged Pac-12, so I love mm-hmm. Franklin there, my friend. Who did you take there, Jared? I took running back out of UTSA, Kavorian Barnes, just an absolutely explosive guy. Redshirt freshman at the end of last year. I don't know how the staff wasn't getting him the ball sooner in that offense. Just absolutely exploded onto the uh, the end of the year he has been the utsa running back that we've been looking for the last couple of years he is absolutely going to smash in that offense again that pretty much returns everybody outside of franklin he should pick up right where he ended at the end of the year can i ask you guys a question go ahead joe do we think though that notre dame brought sam hartman just to hand the ball off no i think they are going to throw the ball more than last year but people don't realize that Again, Notre Dame ran the ball an absurd amount of times last year. They couldn't trust Drew Pine to do anything. So they split their backfield up and they gave the ball they and they ran the ball again an absurd amount of times, splitting the carries between all of them because they didn't want any of them to carry too much of a workload last year. So yes, they're going to run the ball less this year. They're going to let Sam Hartman throw it a bit more this year. But also Notre Dame lost a lot out of that running running back room. I think I did the tally and they lost over 250 carries in that rushing attack last year. So there's plenty of room for them to run less, but also give SMA more carries than what he got last year. All righty. Now I want to say one thing. Look at this running back run right now that we had a mini one. There is a lot of value. There are top 10 running backs falling into the third and fourth round. I'm going to draft one here. What? I'm going to draft one here, and I'm going to tell you this is a guy I have not taken once this year because I thought he's been going too. I thought he's been going too high in the second and third round. But Will Shipley here in the fourth as my third running back off the board, I will take that. Clemson's going to have a renaissance on offense this year. I think they're going to again with Garrett Riley there running the show. Now, I think that Will Shipley's in for a huge year, especially if they utilize him even more out of the backfield than they have been. Give me that all day long as my third running back off the board. Absolutely. John, it is coming up to you for your pick. I know you wanted Will Shipley based on your response just now. Uh, but I did. I, I thought because I know I'm higher on Shipley than most. But Rob, I'm pretty there's a lot bullish of great on Shipley. Yeah, 
But I was like, maybe I know this room is not a Will Shipley room. So I was hoping that he would fall to me. I think that's a great pick. You are stacked, Jared, at the running back. And obviously we can play a flex player. So when you're looking at Rasheen Ali, Kavorian, Barnes, and Will Shipley, that's amazing. And obviously I would assume you're pretty comfortable dipping into the quarterback position later in the draft. And you're not Mike Bainbridge has done that. Eric Froton has done that. And before I'll make my pick in a second. Look at that. Froton got Troy Benson and Trevorian Henderson back-to-back in the third and fourth rounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, Trevion Henderson, wasn't he a top three pick last year? He was. In college fantasy football, so look at how far he's fallen. Now, I'm going to do something a little different here. I'm not going to ignore the quarterback position. I'm not as comfortable as others taking it. I'm going for the grand slam. I'm taking KJ Jefferson here. All right. I think he's spectacular on the ground. I mean, we know college fantasy football, when you get those dual threat quarterbacks, they are just absolute gold. So I like KJ Jefferson here. I have him in my top 10. What do you gentlemen think? Joe, what do you think about Jefferson? I mean, he's an absolute stud. Um, <clears throat> that, and that Arkansas offense, you know, it, it, it reminds me more of like the Big 12. They just want to like get up and down the field a lot. Um, and I think they're just amazing. And I think... You, you got value with him in the fourth round. So that's I'm, – I'm, I'm up, so I'm kind of like balancing this. I'm like juggling a little ahead. bit here. Yeah. I just saw Marquez Cooper went off the board. Did I miss Dante Cephas? Has he been drafted yet? Uh, Dante – the uh, Penn State? No, he, he usually goes off in like the like 10th. No, no, no Joshua Cephas. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Joshua said – Okay, uh, Josh Rosivas went off as 4-2, 4-2. Okay, I did miss him. Okay, thank you. Ooh, Joe, Johnny Wilson, 4-12. I would, love to, I would love to hear that explanation. I'll let you make your other pick here as well. Um, y'all, I think I'm – while Joe's picking, I think I made a mistake here going running back so early because like John's been saying, the running back room, the value's there. I – kind of wish I had t- I've been a bit more aggressive like I usually am with the wide receivers early on because man I would be so happy with my wide receivers or with my running backs and my wide receivers man I'm not really loving the value that's falling at the wide receiver position all right Joe Johnny Wilson and Carson Se- Carson Steele in the fifth round Joe explain these two picks to me sir what are your thoughts here man well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a Johnny Wilson truther. And I think if any offense is going to elevate to some of the elite offenses that really isn't like, you know, because it's kind of like more of a major conference is Florida State. I feel like they've got everybody they need in place. I think they're going to move the ball up and down the field. And Mr. Johnny Wilson absolutely loves to catch bombs. And quite honestly, I love players who catch bombs because you can only have three grabs and still have 185 yards and get two touchdowns. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, you know, some guys are more volume guys. Johnny Wilson is, I'm going to really run really far and really fast and see if you can catch me. Um, and that's part of the reason that I absolutely love him. I, I, you know, like John uses that phrase, like I might be a little bit higher up on some people than others. Um, I just, he, he's it for me. I, I love the fact that he can move all over the field and use that speed. Um, Carson Steele, this is a little more speculative of me. I know he's a great player, but 
I mean, there is an immense amount of opportunity at the UCLA running game that he is going to, in theory, inherit. And I think he's just going to be really, really explosive. So, you know, he's got everything you need. And at the end of the day, I'm ready to to roll with him in my backfield. Um, I think also the other thing that I really like about Carson Steele is that he isn't just a runner. The guy will catch the ball and, you know, Let's let's see exactly how fun they can have with him because he is like a Madden cheat code. Alrighty, John, I'll let you make your I'll let you explain your pick here real quick. You took Mr. Antoine Wells Jr. out of South Carolina. I like this building of my roster. I like to have three wide receivers at the end of five rounds. I also do like big play. I might be a little bit more risky that I'm willing to go for the, you know, seven catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Maybe the next week I get three for 30. But I think when I combine Wells as my third receiver with neighbors and Franklin, I love having a big play receiver like that. And I know this is going to sound bizarre. I think Rattler is going to be okay this year. I really, I mean, he was good down the stretch. I saw improvements. I mean, two years ago, he was a number one dynasty CFF player, right? Debbie, he was top two. He didn't have a good season last year. I can't deny that. But if you saw the last month of the season by the Gamecocks, Rattler played better football. And who did they? Oh, they upset Tennessee on the big game. And by far, that was Rattler's best game he's ever played in college. So I'll take Wells there. I think he's the best receiver on the Gamecocks roster. And Rattler is good enough to get him the football. Yeah, I don't like you, John, because I have been struggling at wide receiver in this draft, and I really needed him to fall to me there (laughs) in order for me to start feeling a little bit better about myself. So uh, (laughs) screw you, good sir. Screw you. Um, No, with my pick, I so we got back to the 5'8 for me here, and... Technically, I'm I'm already drafting for my bench here, but I gotta go best player available. And I know, ah, Froton, you're killing me, man. Um, I know that you're not super in on him this year, Lob, but I had to go, Jace McClellan. Alabama, man, they are going to run the ball and run the ball some more this year. Their quarterback situation is not as great as it has been the last couple of years. Their passing game is definitely not going to be anything to write home about. And Jason McClellan really, it, I, I cannot believe that people watched him last year and are now looking at him and not saying that he's the clear number one guy for the Alabama backfield. I mean, people love the shiny new toy in Justice Haynes, and I do love Justice Haynes, don't get me wrong, but Jason McClellan's going to get his first shot here, y'all. There's no doubt about it in my mind. So... I am absolutely all in on Jace McCollin. I'm going to get the number one running back on what should be still a very good Alabama team who should still have plenty of points to put up throughout the season. Jace McCollin is going to have a huge, huge part of that. I really have no clue where I'm going to go in this sixth round, y'all, because, again, I don't like the value that is falling to me. Go another running back. Let's do it. I'm I'm thinking about it, man. Hey, Jared, why don't – I'll pick it up and – since you picked – I'll re I'll recap and you go ahead and think. We Thank had LaQuaint Allen, the running back of Syracuse, went to Nino. I like that pick. I think there's value there. Um, Jaheel Banks, wide receiver, Wake Forest, went to Mr. Froton. Still has not taken a quarterback as of ooh Riley Leonard, one of the guys I was looking at, just went. 
Curtis O'Rourke went to Nate Marquez. Dwight Peebles took Kyle McCord and um, Wester. What is Le- Lejante Wester? Is Lejante his first name? Out of Florida Atlantic. Um, Evans, the running back out of Eastern Michigan. Jordan Travis, nice pick by Mr. Froton and Riley Leonard. And Jared, you are up with a tight end, four running backs, and do you have a wide receiver yet? Did I, do I not miss- have a wide receiver. Nope. Okay, you do not have a wide and, – and I can talk about Chase McClellan because I like your thinking a lot. All right, I'm going to – I'm gonna. it's a reach. It's a reach, but, like, I, I, I feel the pressure to, to take a wide receiver here. And yeah. – but this is a guy that almost almost hit 1,000 yards last year, and he's back. A lot of people didn't realize he was coming back for a while, so that's why his ADP was so low, and it should be rising higher. definitely should be – close to what his partner in crime over there with Durham Burgess is. I took Caleb Hood, wide receiver out of Georgia Southern here. Davis Brin showed in the spring game that there is a connection between Hood and Brin. They clearly have worked on, or they clearly like to hook up a lot in the passing game. Uh, Don't take that out of context, anybody. Um, And so I am fully on board with grabbing Caleb Hood here as my first wide receiver late. I probably would have liked waiting on him a round or two later, but I felt the squeeze at wide receiver. Too many good guys are coming off the board here. Love coming back. Go ahead. I would say from a roster build, I think you need to at least get a body into that wide receiver. Now, technically, you do have some flexibility here. Oh, J.D., I'm going to. Oh, I'm no JD. You're killing me. You're killing me, brother. I do love oh, Jalen Daniels. I, value, him. I wanted JD Daniels and JT took him on him. Oh, did I want JT Daniels so bad? Mean, oh, no, he took the other one. Oh, I'm, I'm taking my guy. I'm not risking it. JD <laughs> Daniels, the LSU. He took Jaden Daniels out of Kansas. I did want the connection of J of Jaden Daniels and Malik neighbor. So I'll in the sixth round, I'll take Daniels. All righty. Coming down to you, Joe, Joe, you're at the turn, man. Who are you kind of hoping falls to you here? Cause that's kind of all you can do at the turn is you just hope some value falls to you. Who do you got your eye on? Joe? Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, and this is one of the things that I had written up on the, the CFF one Oh one article, right? So, there are so many players in the in the pool to look at. So like when you look at value, it's really like, what are you valuing? Um, you know, do you, do you lean towards volume and yardage? Do you oh. like guys that get touchdowns? Um, you know, and when you look at those different qualities of players, um, that that's where you sort of go, like, where do I want to spread myself out? Like, do I, do I want to lump it into this offenses? I know we're just gonna move up and down the field. Do I want to look for guys that I think are like on teams I think are just going to be good and I can watch them on ESPN and ABC? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when push comes to push comes to shove, you also have to kind of balance that. Like, you know, I was hoping for Mr. Sanders at tight end because I was looking to try to get one of my elite um, uh, tight ends. So I'm going to have to end up going with one of my other favorite man crushes at tight end, uh, which I am not scared about, which is Mr. Jaheim Bell. Uh, from Florida State, and I am okay matching him with Johnny Wilson because between the two of them, uh, they are definitely going to be the focus of most of the passing, at least I'm hoping anyway. And another guy that I'm going to grab is at the running back position who I 
I'm growing more and more in love with, and that is Devin Neal out of Kansas. Uh, I just feel like he's one of those guys that's on a team that is really the guy. Um, he's going to get a lot of work, and I am just excited to see what he does. Um, and again, he's another running back that isn't afraid to catch the ball, which we all know offenses love to get these guys the ball as much as they can. So super, super excited about adding those two guys. Let me ask you, Joe, like you took Jaheim Bell at 612 there. I playing devil's advocate here and everything. That's a lot of risk. That's a, that's a guy going into a new system. Again, obviously they had to sell him on something to get him to come to the Seminoles. But at the same time, like, you took him two picks after Jatavian Sanders, a guy that we know his role in the offense. We know what he can do. We know that he can finish as a top 10 tight end in CFF. I guess I'm just not quite sure how you can lock in on Jaheim Bell that highly when you could go get guys like, I don't know, like Luke Lachey, RJ Maryland, Mason Taylor, Jalen Conyers, all these guys that are going, they'll probably come off in the next couple of rounds uh, between now and round 10. I just don't know if I'm able to spend up on that. All right, I'm going to, let's see, do I? You go, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, go ahead. I'll re, I'm going to recap this round since um, Joe went. We had Elijah Badger, wide receiver. He just ended up going to um, to college trans footballist. Rodney Hamden to Mitch Hart, uh, Pittsburgh. I took Antonio Williams. I have him as a top 15 wide receiver on my board. I could not miss on the value. We could play a wide receiver in the flex position, so I'm very comfortable there. JT took running back Marshawn Lloyd out of USC, which I've been reading a lot of things. It looks like he's going to be the man for the Trojans, so that's a very interesting pick. I like that. Sheffield, is, isn't he the Juco transfer yes, from sir. Washington State? Right? He's the Juco. I love him. Yeah, him. he's been getting a lot of press. So he's in Jordan Curley, SMU, should step into that Rashid Rice type role. And Jer oh, Jared took my man Michael Pratt out of um, Tulane. Tell us why you finally went to the quarterback position there, um, Jared. So round seven through 10, there is a very high chance that you guys are about to see me take three to four quarterbacks in a row. I adore the value at quarterback in this range. I currently in my queue have four different quarterbacks that I am ready to pull the trigger on. One of which just went off the board. There goes John Rice Plumley. But let me just go to my queue. Oh yeah, look at this. I got like three more quarterbacks that I love the value in this range. I'm just going to go ahead and add them to my queue and get ready for it to come back to me here. Some good value. Ray Davison, seventh round. I think that's that's a great value. Uh, um. Richard Reese in the eighth round, I think, is a very fun Ooh. value. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's some risks there because we saw them kind of pull the plug on him last year when he got too many carries. But we will definitely see. I have one wide receiver in my queue that I'm thinking about taking here because he's a pretty good value here. But you know what? This is this is turning into I'm going to be forced to find some value at wide receiver late in this draft because <laughs> I am going to stick with my strategy and I'm going to keep drafting great high upside. QBs here in this round seven to eight range. Let's see what Nino picks here. And then I will, if, if, if a certain quarterback makes it, I'm going to just pull the trigger immediately. Cause I will say I one thing. Um, I don't know what your board is, but looking at my board and I might've missed the player. I'm checking it out now. I'm, but 
I will say this. I have three guys, it looks like, in my top 25. So, Jared, I do think you have value at the wide receiver position. Now, obviously, your board's different than mine. Mm -hmm. But I think you will find value, you know, because I see value out there right now looking at my board. All right, taking my second quarterback here. Give me Daquan Finn, quarterback out of Toledo. Got two dual-threat guys in great defensively challenged conferences, the MAC and the AAC. Give me that all day long. I will take that in the seventh and eighth round over taking a guy like Jaden Daniels even two rounds before, KJ Jefferson in the fourth round. I'll take those guys right there. I think that's excellent, excellent value right there. John, coming up to you, are you going to take one of these wide receivers that are still in your top 25, or are you going to uh, go a different direction? You only got one running back, John. That's, I was going to say, I feel pretty comfortable right now at the wide receiver position. I might be able to find some value. One of those three guys might slip for me, so I'm okay with that. But I think there, I did hope Devin Neal or Richard Reese or Michael Wiley would fall, but none of those guys came to me now. But I'm going to take the guy. I'm going to shoot for upside. And it might be a little bit risky, but I like Trevor Etienne. I'm all in on him. I I think that they don't have a quarterback. <laughs> I think not. Florida's got real – they got real problems. Etienne can catch the ball. I was impressed by him last year. I thought he played very well the second half of the season. So I, I'm kind of happy in the eighth round as a second running back, and I waited. I understand that, but I'm pretty happy with Trevor, Trevor Etienne here. All right. There is one other sneaky player on fan tracks that's a dual position eligible. And I want him at tight end. And I'm going for, you talked about upside. I'm going Dalvin Smith, Western Kentucky. He qualifies at tight end and wide receiver. I love having him with that flexibility in that Hilltoppers offense. So I'm scared of... Dalvin Smith, for one reason, one reason only, Fantrax apparently is set to have a pretty big position change update sometime in July. Oh. And so we're not scared about him taking away Gadsden's side in eligibility because they just added that. But Dalvin Smith, I think, is a real candidate to have that tight end eligibility taken away because he hasn't played tight end, just straight up hasn't played tight end in years. So I would be a little surprised if he makes it, but... If he doesn't, you're right, John. That's an absolute steal in terms of a value right there. All righty. I'm going to take my wide receiver, my second wide receiver here. It's, I've been playing the ADP game too long here. Justin Lockhart, wide receiver out of San Jose State University. Partner in crime, Elijah Cooks, is gone out of eligibility. He is now set to take over that number one wide receiver position there at San Jose State. Plenty of... And plenty of... Uh, Coordination, connection, chemistry. What what other C word can I come up with? Uh, with one, oh. <laughs> Shavon Cordero. Hey, there's two more Cs right there, Shavon Cordero. So honestly, I'm thinking about taking Shavon Cordero if, it, if he makes it back to me here in the 10th round to take my third QB in four picks. But like I said, the value of QB is just absolutely insane right here. So I think that is probably what we're going to do. And if not, there's two other QBs on the board that I really, really... Actually, three QBs on the board that I really, really like. So, we we shall see. Uh, Mason Taylor yeah, comes Jared, off the I had Lockhart. 
Lockhart was my last top 30 wide receiver. I was staring down him. So that's a nice pick right there. And I, and I was reading, you know, it's funny. I was studying the Mountain West this weekend. I looked at the Mountain West and the Sun Belt. I start with uh, G5 and, you know, when the magazines come out. Yep. And, man, I think San Jose State is really good in the Mountain West. So I think they're going to throw the football and be very competitive offensively. So I think you might have gotten a steal there this late in the draft at wide receiver. So I, it's funny you mentioned that, Lob, because I've also been kind of looking at San Jose State, one, because of the CFF guy that's coming out for us at Campus of Canton, which, by the way, you should go ahead and pre-order. I think, I think pre-orders, by the time this episode will come out, will be set to go. So go pre-order that. It's 20 bucks. All 130 Oh, yeah. Teams Do it. Do covered. it. Um, all like we, we, we go 48 deep at QB 60 at running back wide receiver 72 and 36 tight ends. And that's just how many we go actually in depth on, uh, we, the, our rankings in the guide go even higher than that. Uh, which, yeah. So go, go check that out whenever it comes out on 4th of July weekend. But I was researching San Jose state and I was doing a little bit of work for Nick Allen over at CFB winning edge. And he, uh, damn it, Nick or uh, damn it, Nate, uh, just went full Homer there and took two, two of the guys out of my queue there. Um, yeah. Nate, and, Nate going and if, you don't know every, if you don't know everyone, Nate is a big Sooners fan. So he just took the hookup with the Sooners with Farouk and Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll get a kick out of this podcast when he hears me, uh, <laughs> Curse in there. Anyway, um, but San Jose State, there's a, there's, a, there's several pieces there I'm interested in. Again, Kyrie Robinson is a yes. senior running back that nobody's taking in any of these drafts, Nobody. it feels like. And then they just brought in a transfer running back from Utah Tech, Quali Conley. That is a name I think people need to start filing in the back of your head. Because if you don't believe in Kyrie Robinson, because you just don't think he has that high of an upside and everything, or that somebody else is going to take him over, Conley is going to be that guy, I think. He's somebody I'm definitely keeping an eye on right there. Um, all right. hey Jared, did I just see you posted in your Dynasty Supplemental? Didn't you just take Robinson? I did. I did. He, I, he's got one year of eligibility left. And I'm like, you know what? I need an extra guy here to just give me 10, 15 points every week. And that's what Robinson's really great at. And because I remember I was reading about him and I was thinking the same thing. And then on my feed, he came up on your dynasty draft. I'm like, ah, Jared, that's a good pick. <laughs> oh, yeah. And again, nobody's oh, thinking you. about it right Who now. did you take? So, again, I, I, took, I took the stack at San Jose. Again, I put Shavon Cordero was still on the board, so that was an easy pick for me right there. I'm probably going to cool it on QB from here on out. I'll put the two guys that I like that are still on the board down my queue a little bit. If they're there still in a couple of rounds, I will definitely take the shots on them. But for now, I'm going to shift my attention to probably looking at the wide receiver position and see if I can, see and if I can find some of these values that I desperately need to find here. So, Lob, it's coming back to you. Who are you kind of looking to drop to you here, Lob? I do have a running back and another tight end in my queue. Now, I have noticed that we've had a little bit of a run on tight ends with Byron Nesbitt. We never talked about him. North Carolina went. Um, Taylor, tight end to LSU. Lachey, tight end at Iowa. I know Mr. Froton likes Lachey a lot. Frigg out of Mississippi went to Dwight Peoples. So there are some um, tight ends, but I might wait. I don't think I have to have one because I do got Dalvin Smith 
But if because of what you just mentioned, I'll probably drop ah. So I did like Luke McCaffrey. He was in my queue. But I've been talking about this player, and I still don't love my depth at the running back position. I do want to leave with five running backs. I am probably higher on this young man than most, but I'm going Caleb Johnson, Iowa here. I just cannot I, I know Jared laughs because I think he's heard me talk about him before. I just – I can't believe Ferenc and that offense could be worse than it was. I have to believe there's a modicum of more efficiency coming from that Hawkeyes offense. So I'll take the running back, Caleb Johnson. Ah, I wanted that value, John. I was, I was seeing if he could fall one more round, but good, great, great pick there. Great pick. All right. Yeah, Joe, I think go ahead. Joe, Joe had mentioned it. You're looking for upside. And if I get a starting running back in a, in a power running game, I'll take the chance there, especially it was a he was a freshman last year. So yeah, he's got, absolutely. I think, some real big potential. Uh, my, my dog Zeus just walked into the room. Oh, hey Zeus, how you doing, buddy? He's a cutie pie. I love I love your dogs, John. Every time you post about him. <laughs> Zeus he's a big boy. He's very kind. He loves to come in and say hello. All right, Joe. It's about to be your pick here. Who do you got your eye on? Uh so you know, I'm still trying to like fill out, you know, the depth at a lot of the positions. Uh, you know, right now I'm, I'm one more pick to me, but, uh, I'm, I'm really hoping, uh, Jaden Ott, um, the, the running back out of Cal. I just love the, sorry. I just love the fact that he does everything. Like he can catch the ball out of the backfield as well as hey, run it. So my love talking to you, Joe. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> John, no, you're good, buddy. You're good. All right, Joe, who else are you going here? You got Jaden Knott, and there goes Dante yeah, and, Cephas. And Dante Cephas from Penn State. Um, you know, we, we talked about a little bit. Like, you know, let's be realistic. The transfer portal is bonkers in college football. So mm-hmm. just about, you know, 50 to 60% of the receivers uh, are, are, are from a different team from last year, it seems like. Um, and, you know, I have a feeling that these guys have been playing so much football all over the place between seven on sevens and everything else. These kids just go in and go, all right, what's my route trait? Got it. Like, no big deal. Um, and, you know, so it doesn't scare me that some of these guys are like, you know, different offenses, different this, different that. I just have a feeling that these guys just go in. They're going to do the job. Penn State is like really sneaky at having like productive wide receivers. They don't necessarily have like these elite elite guys, but like. You know, Allen Robinson is a guy that comes to mind. It was just like day in and day out was just like doing the stuff that he needed to do there. It was really, really good. I mean, um, John I just have was a, a feeling. top five wide receiver in 2021. So they, they can produce elite CFF wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Penn State's one of those teams. I feel like they, they just want to win games. They don't care if it's 13-10 or 33-30. to 30. They, You know, that, that's why Penn State could be a little volatile that way is, you know, you never know. And I actually personally hate Allen Robinson. Um, I lost the fantasy football in NFL one year um, off like the last week. It was like a bomb from like Blake Bortles. And I absolutely was just like ready to punch a wall. I'm like, you know, I couldn't believe they started Blake Bortles in the championship game to begin with. And all of a sudden I end up losing because of like a 63 yard touchdown, like three minutes left in the game. And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't want to hear that name again, but <laughs> you know, Hey, we take the good with the bad. And like I said, I'm hoping that Cephas can uh, kind of follow that trail that some of the guys before him led and, you know, pair up with my buddy Drew Alar and just make magic. All right, John, you took a wanted man. <laughs> With your 11th ah. round pick, uh, you want 
talk to me about Jarquez Hunter. Are you are you concerned at all that he may not play this year? No, I mean, I'm obviously a little concerned. I'm not going to tell you I'm not, but it is still whatever, June 6th. We have a long time out um, a, until kickoff, a long time away. I'm willing to take the risk and reward here because I think if Jarquez Hunter, let's say he gets on the field and he wins the job at Auburn, I think he could be a very productive back. Yes, I'm probably embracing a little bit of risk here, but at this point, and I'm assuming this would be a league with waiver wires and stuff. Yeah. And if he doesn't get the job, I would try to swap out the Auburn back who does get the job. But I'm all right taking the risk here because we're so far away from it. You know, yeah. we'll know more clarity by August. It's, you know, when kickoff starts, you know, training camps open. I hope we do at least, I should say. So I'm willing to take the risk here with Hunter. So, Joe, it's funny that you were talking about, like, the transfers and everything you you don't you're not scared off by that whatsoever and i looked at my roster i don't have a single transfer player on my team and i think that is a common theme with a lot of my teams this year dang it dwight i want a voice in a fall to me there Ugh, don't ah. <laughs> um but i really have been avoiding them as much as i possibly can because i got burned a lot last year thinking like oh he's such a perfect fit for that new office that he went to and then turns out he's not even a starter and so, like, I just am going with a lot of guys that I just know. Maybe it's a little conservative. Maybe it's playing it a little too safe sometimes. But at the same time, I feel like when I'm rolling my dice each time, I'm getting better odds with these guys. I took Terrell Vaughn as my third wide receiver off the board here, and I think that's great value in the 11th round. Y'all, have we forgotten what the wide receiver one for Blake Anderson offense is? Like, did we forget about Tevin Tompkins? Did we forget about Omar Bayless, Jonathan Adams Jr., Corey Rucker, all these guys when they are the clear number one guy? Terrell Vaughn is the only returning starter off of last year's Aggies team. Brian Cobbs, Justin McGriff, they're both gone. Terrell Vaughn was a guy that was speaking to the media constantly last year for the Aggies. He is going to be a leader for not only this wide receiver room for this entire offense, and they're going to feed the ball a ton to him. So absolutely, I will take him as my third wide receiver off the board here. I'm interested in what I could do here because I could go... I'm, I'm thinking about maybe going tight end again because there's a guy I really like who's still on the board here. And then wide receiver. I still need help at wide receiver, but I think I'm going to go with the tight end. This is kind of crazy, but the value is there. Give me RJ Maryland. Tight end out of SMU. Ooh. Give me a double team at tight end there where, man, oh, man, both of those guys could be top five tight ends by the end of the year. And if it doesn't work out, the other one's going to. That's all I'm saying. Like, again, I got two awesome tight ends right there. I'm totally, totally happy with that. All right, John, Ooh, it's coming back towards you. And look at that running back. We had another running back run. Yes, we sir. had five running backs and six picks, and they all are big. It's interesting. Oh, Nate, interesting. This is an interesting strategy, everyone. Nate Marquise took back-to-back -to -back Boise State. I know Nate likes Gentry, and then he took Halani. So he decided to go with two Boise State running backs there. So he double-dipped for the Sooners, and then he double-dipped for the Broncos in the backfield, hoping I would assume he believes one of them 
will become a hit. So I'm up here. I'm looking for a running back to tell you the truth. So I'm just scanning over my list. Um, let me look here. Who is is Aiden Robbins? He's not gone yet. I don't believe so. I think he is. Yeah, no, he's still on the board. You know, it was funny because before the show, Jared and I were talking, and I said, you know, sometimes when I have lists or I'm doing the draft, the name will slip. And I said, it's funny because here's Robbins. He's sticking out on my list. And I'm like, did someone take him? And I missed it. But now I was able to get a starting running back. And if he hits in the BYU system, in the BYU offense, I'm very happy about that. So, John, let me talk to you about Robbins real quick. I talked about BYU on last week's CTN episode a little bit when we were discussing their transition over to the Big 12. I am heavily concerned with BYU this year in the fact that they are going to be one of the worst defenses in the Big 12. So they're going to be forced to pass the ball a ton because they're going to be playing from behind a lot. And I don't think we're going to be quite be able to have that BYU RB1 like we have in the past couple of years. I mean, shoot, last year we kept taking Christopher Brooks and he kind of fell flat because they kind of went to a bit of a committee approach. I do like Robbins. I do like him better than anybody else in that room. But I'm just afraid he's going to get game scripted out of a lot of games. That's just kind of my thoughts on him. No, I don't disagree with you with the game script. I mean, and I am worried a little bit about the BYU Cougars. However, I do think the coaching staff is going to do everything they can to keep the ball in his hands. So I still expect 200 touches. Now, maybe he gets only 170 carries and 30 receptions, 35 receptions, you know. But he is, like, I look at the team, and I believe he's the best offensive player on the team. So I'll take the hope that he gets the number of touches that, that I like him and accustomed to, they just might be differently. I will say this. I agree one thing. I don't think he'll have the touchdown upside that he's had in the past because I don't think the Cougars will score as much because I think all their starting running backs in the last three or four years have had double-digit touchdowns, like pretty good numbers, and that might elude him, but maybe the yards and the yards from scrimmage should be there. Now, I'm going to take my – we gotta let Joe talk about his picks. We gotta let Joe talk about his picks. He's been waiting patiently over there. Joe, you have one of the best, I would say, zags while others are zigging's pick. You took Mayan Williams in the 13th round. Travion Henderson went off in the third round. Talk to us about the value you're kind of getting there with Mayan in the 13th round. You know, so <clears throat> I like and, and I talked about earlier how I, I love to to do that research and I love to Dig into the numbers. So, you know, Travion Henderson is on everybody's list as a top guy because the NFL likes him. Um, and the reality of it is, is, you know, he got injured last year and then Mayan Williams comes in and then just absolutely produced, um, you know, and, you know, he doesn't do a whole lot in the passing game, which I do tend to lean towards some running backs who like to get a little more involved in the passing game. But let's be realistic. It's Ohio State. Like I said, the water boy catches passes. So, you know, the running backs are not necessarily going to be as involved, and that's okay. But I think Mayan Williams is an absolute steal at this point in the draft because at this point in the draft, I, I want guys who are on offenses that are going to produce one way or the other, and I believe that Ohio State is going to be a crazy good offense. Um, not necessarily like, 
you know, everybody's going to explode on the same week because let's be realistic. Like they just have too many people on that team to feed every single week. But I think in this type of format, I think I can take that risk with him. Um, and I do think that it's going to be a 50, 50 slip. I, I think it's just like Michigan. I, I mean, Donovan Edwards is the better NFL prospect yet. Blake Corum is probably the better college player. Um, and I think when push comes to shove, I think Mayan Williams and Trevion Henderson, I think are going to mirror that type of relationship where they're both going to get a lot of reps. All right, Lob, tell me about um, Taylor Green you took there in the 13th round. What a great upside pick there. Yeah, when I when I have two starters who I'm very comfortable with, and I do like very much having K.J. Jefferson and Jalen Daniels, I'm looking with the third quarterback. I'm looking for the extreme high upside, and Taylor Green is the dual threat quarterback. And there were some games at the end of the year, if you were watching Boise State late, they were, he was unbelievable at times. I think he had one game with over a hundred yards rushing. So the upside's there. And I think he had like eight rushing or 10 rushing touchdowns somewhere in there. Yes. I'd like to see a little bit more production out of his arm, but I think he'll get there with some growth and good coaching. And we were talking about the mountain West. I think Boise state and San Jose are by far the two teams and the two offenses you want to invest in, in the mountain West. So I'll take green there based on upside, Jared. All righty. I am I'm coming back towards me, but I'm letting y'all know right now, I'm going to pick two wide receivers in a row here. Again, I've had to kind of find value at wide receiver here later because of the fact that I didn't start taking wide receivers until later in this draft. I took Michael Matheson, the wide receiver out of Kent, Kent State, Western Kentucky. Uh, he is going to be playing that outside role that David Davis was playing last year where Mitchell Tinsley was the year before. Plenty of opportunity with the Hilltoppers there for him to have a ton of yardage. The other guy I'm going to go with here now that is on my pick, I was just talking about how much I kind of like the potential of BYU to be forced to pass, and I'm going to take who I think is going to be their number one wide receiver this year, and that is going to be Mr. Chase Roberts, Ooh. a lot of beat writers have been stoked about him throughout the spring, talking about how he is stepping up into that wide receiver one role for the Cougars, taking over where Puka Nasua was last year. So I am going to take the upside of that here in the 14th round. We got only two rounds left to go, gentlemen. Isn't that crazy? Feels like this. Is oh, I know. I can't completely believe I'm by. trying to fill out. Yeah, I'm trying to two rounds. I just noticed that. So I wanted to get a second tight end there just in case Dalvin Smith didn't qualify tight end like Jared had mentioned earlier. So I feel pretty good. I have um Sador Treor, I believe. What do I have him listed? I have him in my top. Oh, he's number 14 tight end on my list. So I'll take the Colorado tight end and hopefully Sanders pans out like I like him. That's another quarterback I like. And I don't think we ever – oh, he just went to Nate. He went to um, Nate at John, the beginning of this Trey, Here he Trey, goes, Quinn Ewers. Trey, I was wondering when he would go in this draft. Lob, Treori's in the transfer portal again. What? Yeah, he's in the transfer portal again. He transferred away from Colorado. Screw that up. Now you're good. I'm going you're to good. go then with my – I don't think anyone – I'm going to switch him out because I don't want someone to have uh, – oh, there he is. Oh, do I have to pause? Let me pause. No, you can, you can just – you can just oh. well, you can pause it. It, it. It's your draft, and Joe's on the clock, so nobody's gonna cry about it. 
I might cry about it. Okay, you you might cry oh, about there, it, but there, Joe there. Joe, cry me about uh, Will Rogers here. He took him in the fourteenth round. Rogers yeah, the, is in a void for me. So convince me here, man. Okay, well, well, I guess the better question is like, like, why is he a void? Like over three thousand yards, doesn't turn the ball over. Um, because it's no longer the air raid, and they brought in Kevin well, Barbet, who loves to run the ball. And I just with without an elite volume in passing, and without any kind of rushing upside with him, I would rather take my, I'd rather take my shot elsewhere. So, so, he, so here would be my follow-up question to that. So he comes in, do you think he has all the players he wants to do exactly what he wants, or does he have to at least mesh what he wants to do with what he already has? And will he at least look at Will Rogers and go, the dude's going to go down as one of the most productive quarterbacks in, in history of the school. And I'm going to ride that arm until I can get all the guys that I know I need. I mean, he didn't pull a coach Sanders and walked in and said, yeah, by the way, you guys are all gone. You can leave. I'm bringing my own guys with me. Um, I, I just feel like, He's still going to be productive. And at this point where I have two lock and stock quarterbacks, I'm willing to take the, the little bit of up and down on a quarterback if they decide to emphasize the run just a little bit more. I still feel like he's going to be very productive this year. In terms of Will Rogers and everything, like I see your point, and I think, I think it is an interesting angle to kind of look at that situation. But regardless, they do have a good running back there. Jaquavius Marks, he's somebody actually am looking at in my queue and thinking about taking because they do, they could possibly go that direction. So does kind of have a lot of the pieces he needs there already. I mean, Zach Arnett took over as head coach. He's already kind of built up the defense that he wanted there. The Mississippi State does really kind of have an, have an underrated defense in the SEC there. So I don't think it's out of the question for them to move from that pass-heavy attack to a rush-heavy attack. I feel like it's a lot easier to move back to a rush-heavy attack than it is for like a rush-heavy attack to move to a heavy passing attack. Does that make sense? Oh, no, no. I, I totally agree with it. I'm just, I'm just one of those people that looks at it from, you know, if, if you have a BMW in the driveway, even though you might be a Mercedes-Benz fan, sometimes you got to drive the car you have at least until like you can figure things out. And I mean, like, like I said, I mean, you, you, you hear the knocks on Rogers and it's like, Oh, we had a down year. And like his down year was like a really good collegiate year. Mm -hmm. um, only because the year before it, he was like off the charts. Like he was really, really good. So, I mean, like I said, I, I don't disagree with you, Jared. I, I believe what you're saying has a lot of validity to it. I also just think, like I said, I'm willing to, like I said, I've already got two really, really strong quarterbacks. So at this point, even, you know, just filling in on those weeks that they're not playing, I'm pretty comfortable. He's still going to post pretty solid numbers for me. All right, okay. There, there he goes. Thanks Jared for the that. Other guys who came off here again, Nate Noel. I was just, we were just talking about that app save running, running game over there and everything. So good pick there by Jeremy Miller. Smoke Harris is a name that I think has kind of flown under the radar for a lot of people. Um, that Louisiana Tech passing attack's pretty decent. Smoke Harris, uh, without Trey Harris there, Smoke Harris should be in line for a lot of good targets there. Jalen Noel, wide receiver out of Iowa State. Given some of the rumors that are kind of floating around Iowa State right now, I almost would just avoid the Cyclones for right now because there's rumors that uh, some of the players were involved in some gambling stuff, and it sounds like the NCAA is going to come down on, on, on them pretty hard in order to kind of set an example for other players that might be involved or other players that might want to do that. So I might just avoid the Iowa state cyclones. Cause I feel like that situation could change 
overnight very easily. Talk to me, John. Yeah, I love Isaiah Williams. Yeah, I was looking. He had four games over 20 points last year. So 22 points against Mississippi State, 27 against Michigan State, 22 against Nebraska, 25 against Charlotte or Chattanooga, I should say. I think it was Chattanooga. Um, So I like him. This is his third year. He's by far the best offensive weapon with um, Chase Brown moving on. So last year, he had 715 yards receiving and 104 targets. So I like Isaiah Williams there at wide receiver. All righty. I, I, it has been, let's see, since round five, I have not taken a running back. So I figured I might Ooh. take another running back here in the 15th round. Um, and I'm going to go Cody Schrader, running back out of Mizzou. Ooh. Kirby Moore over there loves to run one guy down your throat constantly. Should open up that Mizzou Tigers passing attack just a little bit more as well. Kind of freeing up that box for their number one guy. And it sounds like from reports that Cody Schrader is going to be that number one guy for the Tigers moving forward. And I think that's a clean, easy thousand yard running back right there. I grabbed in the 15th round. I don't typically find value at running back that late, but I am pretty confident that I'm going to grab two guys here that I'll be happy with because I have another guy I have my eye on right here. I love Froton's pick. Um, I, I thought about taking this guy as well over Cody. Um, TJ Harden. Man, another great zag when others are zigging. Joe, you took Carson Steele at the, in the fifth round. I'll take TJ Harden in the 15th round all day long because I think he has an equal, if not better, shot than Carson Steele to be that lead back for UCLA this upcoming year. Now, that might mean that we're going to be seeing a committee approach at UCLA, UCLA kind of like how we did with Britton Brown and Zach Charbonnet a couple years ago. But regardless, like I'll take the shot in the 15th round than trying to move up in the fifth round and trying to get trying to hit a home run with Carson Steele there. All right. I can yeah. only pick one player. I got two guys here that I want to go with. Um, I'm going to go with my running back, but I just want to point out Darren Granger, quarterback out of Georgia State, still on the board in the 16th round, and he was a QB 19 last year. I'm just going to leave it at that. But I'm going to take John Lee Elbridge, another value at running back I have been finding recently with the Air Force Falcons Ooh. over there. We saw Brad Roberts last year just go on an absolute tear for 1,700 yards last year. And it sounds like John Lee Elridge will be that guy who is stepping up for the Falcons this year. A lot of people are like, oh, you can't really predict these triple option, like service academy running backs. This seems like a pretty cut and clear case, and um, at least from some of the beat writers and some of the guys I know who are kind of familiar with the program. It sounds like they're pretty solid on Elridge will be the guy. John, you went full homer. Victor Rosso, what's your thoughts there, man? <laughs> I did. I, he's the last round of a mock draft. Um, Nathan, Car- I had Nathan Carter and Victor Rose in my queue, and I like Carter at MSU. And if we had more rounds, I would have taken probably Carter and sat on Rosa. But if you look at Rosa, in five of the last seven games, he scored over 17 points in PPR format. And I know no one's going to believe me, but UConn's offensive line is good. They have an NFL second-round NFL prospect at left tackle, and they they got people who can block, and it's an easy independent schedule. 
So I'll take Victor Rosa there. I mean, I would take him if it was probably around 18, maybe. But I'll mm-hmm. take him. It's a mock draft. I'm a homer. But they do have a better offensive line than people give him credit for. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think UConn actually is going to be not sneaky good because, you know, how good can UConn be? But like they'll be, <laughs> they'll be better than people are giving him credit for. All right, Joe, you have the Mr. Irrelevant pick. Who are you going to throw out here for everybody to chew on at Mr. Irrelevant? Uh, well, you know what? And I only do this because I remember his dad and I, I just, I have to pay a little homage. I'm not a Giants fan, but I definitely knew Phil McConkie. So I'm going to go ahead and take his son. You know, I mean, I think so many people are going to be just totally trying to take Brock Bowers out of the equation. And I got a feeling he might be a real good touchdown vulture this year. So you know, for the last pick, Mr. Irrelevant, I'll go with Mr. McConkie. If your name Marquise, any Georgia wide receiver is the ultimate Mr. Irrelevant. So, um, all right, that's the end of the draft, gentlemen. So one thing I would like to do before we kind of finish up here is I'd like each of you guys to kind of look at your list and tell me one person at each position that you're kind of shocked did not get drafted in this group i'll give you guys time to think while i kind of run through some of my guys here so quarterback i already mentioned darren granger so i'm gonna cheat here and go with a different guy um malik hornsby didn't go off in this draft that was somebody that people i in this draft i know people in this draft so guys like mike bainbridge who are like ready to draft him like the sixth round that's the power of tj finley getting added there i think a lot of people kind of wanted to shrug that off at first, but people kind of sat back and thought about it a little bit more and said like, hey, that's actually a little concerning that they saw what they had in Malik Hornsby in the spring and then thought to go out and get a guy who has started for two different SEC programs and said, hey, maybe we need to give this guy a bit more competition. So, But again, I'm surprised still nobody took the shot on him in this draft at running back. Um, let's see. Most of the guys that didn't get drafted, I kind of understand. I also took two guys I like at the very end. Um, I guess I'll go with uh, Marlon Gunn, the running back out of East Carolina. Again, we saw Keaton Mitchell go off to the draft for some reason and go undrafted. Uh, so let's grab the guy who's going to come up with come up after him. And again, you know, East Carolina, I expect them to be very bad this year. But the good news is Marlon Gunn's a pretty decent receiving back. So I think he'll probably have a pretty good year this year. Probably not to Keaton levels, but you know. And then at wide receiver, um, top guy I have on my list, Ricky White, wide receiver at a UNLV. If you haven't checked it out already, go check out Chris Moxley's latest article on UNLV's offense this year with Barry or with Brennan Marion there as their offensive coordinator now and his go-go offense. If you read that article, you'll be a bit more in on why Ricky White is worth taking a shot on in your drafts this year. And then at tight end, my top tight end still on the board, Dallin Holker. Again, I said earlier, I'm not usually a big fan of transfers this year, but man, you give me Dallin Holker, a guy who is a whole lot like um, Cole Turner was at Nevada in that same offense, that same coaching staff. They go out and get themselves a tight end after last year. Nobody really stepped up for them. I think Holker could be in for a sneaky great year this year. So those are my guys that I was kind of surprised didn't come off the board. Lob, we'll start with you. Who's a quarterback that you were surprised did not come off during this draft? Yeah, and maybe I missed him because I was trying to make checks. But the John Reese Plumley of UC, UCF, 
Yes, uh, Nate, Nate took him in he the seventh went. round. Okay, so then, and then the other one would be Jaden Delora. Jaden Delora went Aaron's, off in the eleventh round. I see. So I am missing players. I apologize for that. How about Grayson McCall? Grayson McCall, I do believe is he was drafted. He went I'm, not seeing, I'm not seeing him in my in my list. Yeah, twelfth round, he was drafted. Uh, okay, so I'm screwing everything up here. I very much apologize. No, I'll go John, deeper down the list to find someone who I um uh McCarthy went, AJ Warner. Um let's see. Spencer Rattler did not go. I mentioned him earlier. Yep, he right? did. Right? I mean I, if yep. you can get Spencer Rattler, I've got him in a couple best ball leagues as my fourth quarterback. I absolutely love him at that value. So I would go Spencer Rattler there. Um, I mentioned him early, um, Nate Carter out of Michigan State. Just mm-hmm. looking at the Michigan State depth chart, I just don't see who else is going to run the football. And did I miss – my other one would be Katron Allen. Did Katron Allen get drafted in this? Did I miss him? Um, Katron Allen, I think, no, I think he, I think you're no. right. Yeah, he, he did not get drafted. So he, so those are two, um, running backs that I like very much there. And at the wide receiver, um, let me, before I even say a name, I'm going to plug him in, see if he's available on the list. <laughs> I don't want to be bad anymore. Um, I was just going off. Ah, I actually like Jeremiah Hunter a little bit out of California. Okay. If my yeah, 965 yards receiving last year in that conference, I think they're going to be a little bit better offensively. I would have taken him. And did I don't have either ball state tight end. Um, either one. Hunt, Brady Hunt. Hunt went off the board. Kozil he did. Okay. Is um Kozil is uh did not go drafted. Or then it would be Cozio is one that I'm interested in also. So, oh, and Gavin Bartholomew, he did not go either, did he? He did not. Yeah, so those are two that I like there at tight end. All righty, Joe, throwing it over to you, man. Who's the quarterback that you were surprised did not get drafted? So, yeah, I mean, so one of the guys that I'm in, I'm in love with, and I, I, don't, I, I guess the wrong word would be surprise, because I have a feeling as we get into the summer, he's going to be a name – and I had done an article on him at DJ Ugalele. And I'm going to say why I have a feeling. He literally transferred to Oregon State. I loved when I read this about him. Sight unseen. The only thing he wanted to see was a playbook. Because he admitted that he went to Clemson based off of name and reputation. He didn't understand why that team was going to be a fit for him. He goes there. They don't. He doesn't want to run the offense they have. Too bad. Kate Klubnik comes in and says, I'll do whatever you want, takes over the job. DJ's like, okay, now what do I do? So he ends up getting the playbook for Oregon State and says, this is exactly what I want to run. Literally commits having not even stepped a foot on campus and just said, I want to go play football here. And I got a feeling as soon as the summer hits and the people start to see the video of him whipping that ball around, because I remember him. I don't know if you guys watch QB1 on Netflix. I remember him when he was the backup on QB1. And I got to say, that show is like the scarlet letter for quarterbacks because so many of those dudes go on that show and they just like disappear because they're never to be heard from again. But he was the backup for Bosco out in California. And I just remember him being like, 
like a foot taller than the starting quarterback. And everyone's like, who's that kid? And they're like, oh, this kid's like a freshman. He's like 6'4", 240 as a freshman. It's like, oh my gosh. So Ugalele is one of the guys. Josiah Hatfield as a wide receiver. He's a guy that I feel like I'm a little surprised um, that he was around uh, at tight end. I think he's a better tight end than necessarily fantasy, but I thought for sure that he'd get was Span Ford. Um, I thought that he would be a guy that probably would go. I don't believe that he was drafted in this one, but again, oh, you know, the tight Span ends. Ford, the Minnesota tight end, yes. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, so, I mean, I, like I said, I think he's a better tight end than a fantasy tight end, but I feel like in these environments, I think people stick to some of the names that they see pop up on NFL mock drafts, whether it's like the top 10, you know, he's definitely one of those guys that's going to be popping um, in those things for next year because, you know, we saw an amazing tight end this year. So everybody's going to be a little disappointed when they see next year's draft class. But um, I feel like those are some of the guys that, you know, it's only 16 rounds, but there's a lot of sharps in this room. So, you know, everybody kind of knows what they're looking for. All right, gentlemen, one more question before we head out of here. Uh, in one minute or less, Joe, give your team a grade that you drafted that you drafted in this draft. What What are your weaknesses? What are your strengths? Okay, so grade-wise, I'm going to go like it's a solid B. I, I'm not going to give myself an A. That would just be presumptuous. Um, I, I believe that if anything, I'm going to be chasing some points at tight end. There's going to be some good weeks and some bad weeks. Fair enough. Um, and looking through it as far as, I mean, I can't beat the quarterbacks. So, you know, I'm going to hang my hat on that. My quarterbacks are going to hopefully all get me 35 a game and I'm going to be able to build some point leverage on there. Um, the the downside, like I said, I talked about t- tight end. Uh, and I feel like w- running back is going to be a sneaky good spot for me. I really like the combination of guys. Like I said, they are dual threats. A lot of guys are going to catch some balls and run it. So I'm pretty happy with that. All righty. Lob, looking at your team, give yourself a grade. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Um, I would give myself a B plus because I love the quarterbacks that I have. When I have Jaden Daniels and then I have KJ Jefferson, I have two quarterbacks who could easily score 65 points in any given week combined. So I feel really good about that. And I like Taylor Green. I mentioned him earlier in the show. So to have three strong dual threat quarterbacks, I absolutely love that. I believe my wide receivers are stacked and I did draft them early. But I'm a big believer in Troy Flank, Franklin, Malik Neighbors, Antoine Wells. I'm really solid at the wide receiver position. I did embrace some risk at the running back. I waited a long time to get my second running back, which was Trevor Etienne. So there is a little bit weakness there. But I do believe in Trevor Etienne. I think he's going to be very good this year. And I got lucky. I get Quinshawn Junkins, my number one running back. So I feel like if I'm going to take risk at a position, I might as well take it at the position where I have the strongest player, I believe, in the entire draft. Now, if Jarquez Hunter doesn't overcome his challenges that he has, as Jared talked that, about. That is one uh, way to put it, Love. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just trying to be, you know, trying to be soft here. Let's see what happens. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, you know. <laughs> I just don't know. So I'm willing in the 11th round, 
He is on my taxi squad right now, so he would be my fourth running back. But, you know, I, I like the team of B-plus. And Dalvin Smith, I know it sounds a little corny. If he gets that tight end eligibility as a dual threat, dual position, that could change the roster a lot for me. But I do have him right now at the tight end position. Now, if he doesn't get it, then I got I got a little bit of concern at the tight end position. But for now, in June 6th, I'll take that chance. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go ahead and finish up here, give myself a B-plus as well. I feel very good about this roster overall. Again, I accomplished two of the things I try to accomplish in every draft where I stack up at running back in kind of that mid-range. Um, I got my quarterbacks in that 7-10 to 10 range. I feel really, really good about those guys. And I still I, I hated the feeling of having to look for value at wide receiver later, but I feel like overall between guys like Lockhart, Vaughn, Matheson, and Roberts, I found plenty of good value there that, you know, I'm... Going into the season, I don't feel super great at my wide receiver position, but I feel like there's enough upside there that I could still have a very solid roster. My my starting lineup I love, and again, having Gadsden as my tight end one and my backup being RJ Maryland, I feel very, very good about that. So, gentlemen, really appreciate you guys coming on to the show. Let's... Say in again, we'll try to do one minute or less. John, give me a plug of everything that you are working on right now. What can people expect from you? Uh, first, thanks for recording this, Jared. It's just tremendous that you offered to do this. So I'm very, very grateful for what you've done tonight. And it's been a pleasure to be with you. Um, right now, the article should be coming out, you know, by Saturday, the 11th. So I think the 11th is Saturday. So the article should be up on fan tracks. We have a lot of analysis. All of the great participants are going to provide some written analysis of sleepers and value picks for us. So check them all out. Please follow all of the drafters on Twitter. I guarantee you will be a better CFF, Debbie, Dynasty, NFL, fantasy football player if you follow everyone that partook in this draft tonight. I can't thank them enough. And then we're working on the player profiles that will be coming out over the course of probably late June, early July on fan track. So got a busy month ahead of me, but we're fully in now into the college fantasy football season, Jared. Yes, sir. Joe, you are over at fan tracks as well. What kind of stuff can people expect from you over the next couple of months here, man? So we um, <clears throat> just wrapped up an article kind of taking a little more deeper dive into the offenses of the group five and the power fives. Uh, again, coming from an angle of, of targeting people, I guess more like myself, um, I am nowhere near the expert that you two are. So, you know, just being in here with you guys has been an opportunity for me to learn a lot. And I appreciate both of you. Um, but I'm kind of coming from the angle of, Hey, we're getting in there. We're learning. We're, we're trying to figure out this game. It's a massive player pool. Um, so the article is going to focus on, uh, five offenses from group of five and power five, um, that team that novice players should be looking at and say, Hey, if you target these teams and look at these players, they're going to give you a distinct advantage as opposed to just worrying about guys on ESPN. Um, over the course of the next couple of months, uh, you can again, find me on fan tracks with, you know, Mr. Lobb and myself trying to cover the CFF. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a lot of the, you know, focusing in on the key terms for new players. Um, in addition to that, I do a lot of NFL stuff as well. Uh, you can catch me on dynasty pros football. Uh, and I also do a lot of IDP for them. 
Um, I do a lot of Devi as well for them as well. So you can also catch me on there. Uh, and between those two sites is where a lot of my material, cranking out as much material as I can. Because um, like as Mr. Lobb and I are both school teachers, uh, summer is upon us. So sure. <laughs> school's out for <laughs> summer. All right. Thank, again, thank you both so much for coming on. In terms of my plugs and everything like that, I'll keep it short and sweet for you guys. Again, go check out all of our stuff over at campuscanton.com and especially be on the lookout for that CFF guide and the pre-orders that are coming with it. Literally the best, and I mean the best resource you can get your hands on for CFF in the upcoming season. I'm not biased in any way, shape, or form, y'all. I promise. It is absolutely, absolutely an incredible resource and only for 20 bucks and i said i'll say that again 20 bucks and you get you get profiles on all 133 teams and you get a player profiles on a absolute crap ton of players as well and we got even more stuff coming with it as well so definitely be on the lookout for that gentlemen really appreciate you guys for coming on really appreciate all of you guys out there for listening and i hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed week see y'all